It's a suicide rap, baby. We were born to pod. Hello, everyone. He's right. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. I'll yeah, give yeah. him that. Was yeah. very, that was very funny. Well done, Thank Michael. You, you are the Thank funny you. one. I've been told this. Welcome back, everyone, to the Listening Party Pod with Adam and Mike. And what a third voice you may have heard there. It's our returning friend from Beyond the Mist. It's Grey Westgate. Good evening. Thank you for having me back again. You're right, your sleeping bag is attached to your foot still. You might want yep. to get rid of that lest it get trodden on. Yeah, I'll keep it there for now. Well, welcome everyone. If this is your first time listening because you like the, what you've seen in the description of this particular episode, uh, just a quick roundup. This is a podcast where we bring an album to each party, we call it. It's basically an episode where we either love, <laughs> loathe, or we've never heard the thing He's before. very funny. So funny. <laughs> Please. Please, you'll turn the audience against me. They'll say, no, I'm, I'm a grey man. I like this in spite of Michael. <laughs> People have said that for many years. They uh, have. <laughs> and this week, we, we have a guest at the party who is bringing us a, a, a choice cut of their, I say, a personal favourite of theirs. And I think it'll be an interesting one, gents, because... There's someone in this party who loves Bruce Springsteen, someone who's absolutely indifferent on the borderline, and someone who actively dislikes him. So it should be a good mix. Well, <laughs> uh, with that said, um, I have to offer a source of mea culpa. Uh, oh, not one of these, for <laughs> God's sake. I'm aware that I sent the pair of you some um, quite critical messages. Mm-hmm. And I... I libel. I would say that I stand by some of them. Have I, have I finally, after nigh on 20 years, but begun to turn you? I started, I, I can't quite tell you when it happened, but I started to not hate it, and then I started to quite like it. Although, as I say, I still have some misgivings, and I would say that I have raised up from open contempt to mere sort of... So he's all right. <laughs> and actually, I, I kind of wanted to start on that point because one thing you, you've kind of always given as your reason for hating Springsteen so much, Ad, is I think the, the, the quote was, how can a man who has made so many millions just preach about the problems of the poor Americans? And I maintain that that is a point of view that has some merit. What I will say, though, is one of the things that started to thaw me was everything I read and everything I listened to, he comes across as such a nice man. <laughs> I find it almost... It in, it's so nice. But, I mean, he's not a real cunt like Gary Walker. He's... <laughs> Sorry, it was... No, no, John. John was... I can't even remember. <laughs> we had no problem with Gary. I couldn't remember which was which. Good God, man. Why I'm not did, affiliated with this. What I did was pick a Walker at random. Um... 
Yeah, no, to, but he's so nice that you end up feeling like a bastard for criticizing him. He's very self-aware. He is. And he knows what he is. Yeah, I, but I do kind of wonder, and I've been thinking about this a lot on in the lead up to this. I wonder if there's a little bit where you've got some wires crossed with John Mellencamp. No, oh, I, don't, I really don't like him. No, um, I know. And this is the thing, because Mel, I don't actually think Springsteen, his whole raison d'etre isn't um, America. You know, we'll probably talk about Born in the USA a little bit later. The man that recorded Born in the USA in Nebraska isn't American. But he's actually, you know, if you listen to them, they're, they're quite anti-America. Especially oh, not, not talking about the USA. It doesn't even matter but, about the lyrical sentiment or content. Sure. It's the tone. The timbre of the whole thing is screamingly US. Yeah. The saxophone. What, what is wrong with the saxophone? And the, the I have issues with a saxophone and I, I like think a saxophone. I would say the saxophone, whilst good in places, is a little, just a little bit overused. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I I'm aware that Clarence Clemens is held as a god. I think there's a large part of, you know, Clements came in on the previous album, uh, While the Innocent and the East Street Shuffle, and they kind of went, oh, we like this. And he is sort of promoted to much more centre stage on this Main album. sax man. Yeah. And I, I mean, I I like it. I think there are some, you know, when we get to like Jungle Land, like, oh, I think the God. sax in that. Oh, really? Well, what I was going to say is I'm prepared to put money on the fact that Jungle Land is Grey's favourite or certainly top three because it's uh, that was the only Backstreets. But I, I liked Backstreets. I by Backstreet. the by the end of the album, I was thinking I really I quite like all of this. But Jungle Land does still rub me up the wrong way. Interesting. I think because it's that hot, it's a play. It, <laughs> it is a play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jungle it, Land is West Side Story with guitars. And, um, and lots of saxophone. Let's... Yeah, I, I will say, Greg, for, for a while, I did always think, what is it about Springsteen that connects so heartily with Grey, our old mucker Grey Westgate? I, and then listening to this, it clicked. It was like, oh, my God, this is theatrical. It's musical theatre. It's musical theatre. <laughs> I think, to be honest, I yeah, I think there is that. I I knew that would come up I, because it's a question you guys have been asking since we've known each other. And what, I, I, what do you <laughs> see in this? And I think that is it. It is the theatricality of it. I think there is as well. You know, if you see him live as well, like oh, something that I will never do because apparently it's like four hours long. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Fuck and that. it was amazing. Um, oh, I'll do no. two hours of it and get oh, out before everyone. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I think an hour and a half is about right. Two hours is pushing it, if so long as that's including three encores. But I'm and still going. He like and he likes to finish up with Jungle Land. He does. God in I think he did when I saw him actually. <laughs> and Jungle Land is twenty minutes long or something. Ten, but okay. <laughs> half hour. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I've always, I think it is the theatricality of it. I love him as a lyricist. I really do. I think there is something especially poignant about his, especially in the earlier albums, his his views on love and like 
love it you know he's there is a certain element of him desperately searching for and wanting love in the first few albums and mm. it's painful and it's hard and you know that that comes out you know in, in backstreets for example like he says the love is so hard and filled with defeat you know and you know amongst sort of so many love songs in the world i think springsteen just kind of really epitomizes the truth behind a lot of relationships and things and that 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 really hits me and yeah so i don't know what it is exactly but that's the thing with music isn't it you don't really know exactly why you love something but springsteen just ever since i was a teenager and me and stefan would listen in the car like we just fell in love with his work so yeah <laughs> yeah i listening to this album this time i really did get on board with the um the hope the hopelessness of romance and mm. just being where you are because i've said for years that nebraska is my favorite springsteen album that album's just hopeless yeah or hopelessness that is yeah. just people in dire situations or dangerous situations out on their luck whereas this mixes that but with Teenage rebel without a cause mm. romance, sometimes to cheesy effects. I think some of it's a little bit like, yeah, mm, a little bit, a little bit. Some of it is actually, oh no, that, 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 that's come pretty good there. That's pretty yeah, heartfelt, yeah. wrenching. What I found extraordinary was the fact that the cheesy songs of escape thing, which is what half of them are, yeah, is. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's but a teenager it, yeah. wanting to get out. But of... it started to not great. It started to, even though I think it, it a lot of it's disingenuous, and I think that he's a man who's desperately in search of sincerity and authenticity. I mean, he spent. It's spent. They. I think a lot of them are supposed to sound like they've got a load of immediacy to them, but then they don't because they spent what two years or something shaping yeah, I, them. Yeah. I, well. That's just solid musician, isn't it? Someone crafting and trying to make it sound. He said when in like, I want to make a full spectrum wall of sound to this, mm. to my lyrics. And yeah, but then didn't he essentially there. ruin his own songs and then have to go back and sort of take a, quite a lot of stuff off? Yeah. I have no issue with that. I mean, don't, please don't. It sounds like you do. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. But you've got, I'm. I still don't. I still don't love Bruce Springsteen, but I really no, did I enjoy the record by the end. I didn't. I didn't merely just think it was all right, like bbd doobity bee. I actively <laughs> really liked it. Good. But um, yeah, I still have questions because every now and then there'd be something. Like, is it this on the? Is it the second or the third track where he sings about the boss man's giving you hell? And that mm, made me. Yeah. That that throws me immediately out of where I was and makes me furious. Not a oh. boss man in his life. Well, that particular line I just hate because he rhymes hell with bell. Because <laughs> no one's ever done that before. What is it? I actually even wrote that one down. Where was it? Where are you? Whereas there were other lyrics. That the, the one that sort of made me realise that was changing my opinion was in Thunder Road, where it's... Um, you know, I ain't no hero. That's understood. understood. It's the, All the it's, redemption I can offer is beneath this dirty. But it's food. that's understood at the end. Really stood out. I and, think. And, I mean, I think it demonstrates Road. a degree of self-awareness, or at least an awareness yeah. of. I, I really liked that. 
I just uh, my Thunder Road has a lot of my favorite lyrics. I love "You Ain't a Beauty," but hell, you're all right. Like, I think there is a real sincerity in them. Um, I mean, the closer of that song, you know, it's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out here to win. I, I, I think Thunder Road is arguably my favourite Springsteen song. Thunder ever. Road was the one that I found, uh, other than Jungle Land, but Thunder Road was the one that I actually found hardest to like, because it it's the, I think it's the harmonica at the beginning. And the okay. problem was that that set up so many of the preconceptions I already had about Bruce Springsteen. Sure. A lot of the things I already didn't like about the guy, or thought I didn't like about the guy, is more accurate, mm. was suddenly there in this... And then there's that plinky plonky piano. Mm, and I thought, oh, this is fucking awful. And there's I'm, a I'm fucking going to, glockenspiel. I'm going to hate like every second it. of this. I love the way but, that it, but it introduces the album. It's very, very slow. And then it, it's sort of, it's like the ignition being turned in a car. Mm. as the And it, I started to think this is absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, well, I think I'm irritated said- at how wrong I've been. I think he said of the harmonica that was him supposed to be like coming into a new day or something like mm. that about because it really is a, a sunrise song. Well, well this, I, oh no, go. No, I'm just going to say, well, that's the intro out of the way. Um, <laughs> so we are talking about Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run because we haven't actually said that yet. <laughs> uh, so should we do a bit of context before we get much further into the songs? So, Born to Run was Bruce Springsteen, by God, his third album. After greetings from Ashbury Park, and as you said earlier, great, The Wild, The Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. Released in 1975, August 25th, on Columbia Records, and it peaked at number three on the Billboard 200. It went on to sell six million. It was his concerted effort to hit the mainstream. Yep. Columbia Records gave him a large-ass budget to achieve this commercial wall of sound vibe, which we uh, just mentioned. Let's and be fair, though. Those days are gone. If you've, oh, yeah, re- if you've gone, recorded sir. two albums which have not really done a lot, then no record company will go, tell you what, have more money. Let's see whether or not that, that loosens things up. I think there was a lot of um, almost misadvertising. Though. I think Springsteen himself oh, has question. said they really tried... Because of... His lyricism, like they tried to push him as the new Dylan or the new Stevens. I mean, you look at that cover for The Wild, The Innocent, that's basically, they they were trying to make him look like Cat Stevens. Yes, it's The Wild, The Innocent, The Eastrick Shuffle. It's the one that's got quite a lot of like pleasant strings on it. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. it came on Shuffle one when I was listening to it on YouTube at work. The Eastrick Shuffle. Mm. Yeah, it was, I thought it was, I thought it was lovely. Yeah. But he's got I, think you would, I think you'd quite like those first two albums, actually. They are yeah, I, pleasant. I like those ones, yeah. yeah. It's also Greetings for Ashby Park has uh, It Ain't Hard to Be a Saint in the City, which did which David is cover. Which a great song. And it's got um, uh, bah, bah, Blinded by the Light, which mm. is phenomenal. Yeah, I think it was his... Well, he would become his producer on this one and then manager, John Landau, who was a music critic who wrote the famous line the future of rock and roll well, I've seen the future of rock and roll and it's Bruce Springsteen which is then what they carried the marketing campaign heavily on yeah the to albatross point, around his neck for years to come yeah to the point where you know 
apparently when he arrived at London and Hammersmith, he saw the badges and the posters with that on. He just tore them all down and told him, don't hand any of this crap out. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Well, I think it is, it is misleading because mm. part of my issue with Springsteen, and certainly this, the first couple of times I listened to it was, what is it? It isn't. A, it's not rock, is it at all? It doesn't no. rock in any way, shape, or form. No, most like it's, Oasis don't rock, and they're no. referred to as such. But it's it's bat out of hell. Yeah, but that rocks. <laughs> it does. I think there are moments when this verges on rock. I think. Yeah, and then they go. Glockenspiel. <laughs> That'll do everybody. Clarence, please. All over it. <laughs> Thank you, Clarence. Much better. Put it everywhere, Clarence. With a trowel. Uh, yeah, Clarence, Clarence, all I hear is Darlene Love's Christmas song from Home Alone 2, which he plays on, which I believe is the E Street Band backing it. But You're saying he's got a tone of his own. He, You can tell Clarence Clemens, which is good that someone has that, but... Is it a sax sound I particularly like? You know what his last song was before he died? I can't even be asked to think of an amusing answer. <laughs> I was just about to say something. Similar. <laughs> well, it, it was Edge of Glory, Lady Gaga. Don't remember cool. how it yeah. No idea. Is that the one with the sax solo in it? <laughs> That's the one with the sax solo in it, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that one that sounds like Clarence Clemens is yeah. walking all over it? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. And then a vaguely Europop beat that didn't sound as earth-shatteringly brilliant as everyone made it out to be. That, that sums ah, up Lady, precisely. Lady yeah. Gaga and Clarence Clemens, I can hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one where she screams, hit it, Clarence, for about halfway through. And then he says, yes, Lady Gaga. <laughs> for I am Clarence Clemens. <laughs> oh, I remember it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right, yeah. Overall, though, I am a, a big fan of sax on rock songs, and I would like to see mm. it make a proper comeback. I just don't think it's going to because it, it, it drags everything to the sort of early eighties well, or late seventies. The metal band Ghost had a fantastic. I know rock you were going to mention this, and every time you mention Ghost, you say, "And actually, the interesting thing is they have a saxophonist." I never or you made that one because of these jokes. <laughs> they don't have a saxophonist. They invited one into the studio to record that one song, which you, you know, know if you listen to one of my diatribes. What that demonstrates, I would say, is some judgment because they thought, yes, we do want some saxophone, but we don't want it everywhere. I never said everywhere. I just said some people are using it, make it to good effect. You're the one making a big case out They're of it. They're not sloshing it around all over every song, are they? Like Lady Gaga apparently does. <laughs> Lady Gaga was unstoppable. Sloshed a lot of things brass. around. <laughs> Yes, Columbia put a quarter of a million behind the marketing alone for it, which mentioned uh, Springsteen himself thought it was a bit overkill. And a lot of other music critics at the time, I think, actually turned against the album a little bit before they heard it because they were so fed up of hearing about it before it came out. Like, Fair yes, enough. yes, whatever, this, this guy who's made two fine albums before, whatever. Yet it was his attempt to move away from his more adolescent lyrics about love. Really? Uh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, and, and mm, no comment there, Michael. <laughs> no, just uh, interesting. No, just leave uh, it. Yes, yeah, little observation. And he was trying to move away from mentioning New Jersey so much to make it more universal. It still mm. sneaks in there a couple of times. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah quite, quite. So he was trying to get away from adolescent love and New Jersey. I would say on this front, gentlemen, he has failed spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, it's like the old saying goes: you you can't take the boy out of New Jersey, and you also cannot remove the New Jersey from the boy. <laughs> 
you also cannot remove the saxophone from Clarence Clemens' cold, <laughs> dead hands. You cannot. For is it not so that Bruce Springsteen rubs the masters of all his new albums over the corpse of Clarence Clemens just to imbue it with some of the same vibes? Just a, you get a haunted saxophone in the background yeah. somewhere. His nephew plays now for them. Oh, nice. so he's yeah. been enchanted with the same curse. Good. Yeah. <laughs> curse they say, or... they say that gypsy curses do take generations, don't they? You call him Lady Gaga a gypsy? I mean... <laughs> You want to quite the two things? Yes, apparently Springsteen struggled with anger issues during the studio sessions because, do you numbskulls can't understand what's in my brain about how I want it to sound? Which, yes, did lead them to doing many overdubs and mixes. Many. Up to about 72 tracks of certain songs. Too many. Some would say too many, uh, especially when they end up stripping most of that out and end up with just six. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, at the time, you had people like uh, rave Rolling Stone reviews from Griel Marcus saying, Springsteen enhances romanticised American themes with his majestic sound, ideal style of rock and roll, evocative lyrics, and impassionate delivery that defines what is a magnificent album. And you had Robert Kreisko of The Village Voice saying, it condenses a significant amount of American myth into songs, mostly centred on taking a lover for a joyride. And often that. succeeds in spite of his tendency to histrionics and pseudo dramatic, <laughs> so pseudo tragic, beautiful loser fatalism. That's a good line. Mm. Oh, I love the idea that Bruce Springsteen succeeds in spite of himself and his own best efforts. <laughs> Damn it, Bruce! <laughs> yeah, your own worst enemy, Springsteen. Bruce, <laughs> for God's thing. sake, there's a world outside of New Jersey. <laughs> Jesus, Bruce, you're nearly 70. Stop singing about Mary and how she's in those hot pants. <laughs> it's unseemly. Yeah, you're, you're Mary again, my tea bird, and we're just going for it. <laughs> God's sake, Bruce, <laughs> let Clarence rest. <laughs> According to acclaimed music, don't know what that is, it's the mm. 16th most celebrated album in pop music history. By what metric? What? <laughs> By by acclaimed music's metric. What are the fifteen well, uh, more acclaimed uh, yeah, albums? Uh, how, how do you I, measure? I that? knew you'd ask this, so I didn't bother looking at the other side. I thought I'd get for you. Pet Sounds is number one. Of course uh, it is. Yeah, but that makes sense. <laughs> 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 well, it wasn't going to be a corn follow the leader, was it? <laughs> the beauty of that is you could have picked absolutely any one of the new metal albums, and that joke would have worked. But you picked the one that is still. Well regarded. <laughs> I nearly went with Disturbed, but I realised I couldn't remember his Disturbed album title. The Sickness, I think. Did Well, I hear you were coming down with it. <laughs> and uh, the album is also in the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry, along with Purple Rain. And Clarence Clemens. Yes. And the album artwork was shot by Eric Mueller, who shot 900 frames over a three-hour uh, studio session. Wow. And that's the one they picked. Which shows him coquettishly with some bon vivant. Um, leaning on... Is he still alive at that point? Clarence? Clarence, Clarence died relatively recently, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was about ten, 10 years ago, years ago, I want to say. Apparently they used to recreate the famous cover on stage. And as soon as the audience realised what they did, they, they'd break <laughs> it off. And anything, if that is... That is not... 
good audience banter and stage shows. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best you're getting. To be fair, one thing that they do do live is you do do. Um, The audience are encouraged to bring um, cardboard and hold up any old random song. And Springsteen will just grab one of the songs, show it to the band, and they will play it, which is really quite impressive. Granddad does that without the big bits of cardboard. He does. He asks politely, you, sir, what's your name? Stephen. Stephen, what would you like to hear? Straight to you. Can't do that one. Next. (laughs) Then he summons a roadie with the bag of lyrics, and then they work out whether or not they can do it. And while he talks to the audience about how the song they've chosen is shit, somebody tunes his guitar for him. (laughs) Magical it's good stuff. <laughs> right, so with a bit of context, we you may we may continue now talking about Thunder Road. I love Thunder Road. I, I really do. I I was thinking, Adam, I, I know you've already got a lot of pressure on when I die in getting Beaker to come and explain it to Michael. Um, but I would like you, please, to recite all of the lyrics to Thunder Road at my funeral. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's not going to be a problem. Um, which which bits in particular? All of it, or all of it? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is Beaker singing it? Do you want me to continue to talk? Do the bit where he says, "Well, I've got this guitar and I guitar and I learned how to make it talk," because that's one of the worst lines that ever anybody's ever written ever. Or do you I want mean, me to do all I of it? It sounds like a Peter Frampton like line. Make it sound like Peter Frampton. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering at what point we were going to start doing impressions of Bruce Springsteen. So I'm delighted that you've opened the floodgates because. Screen dust flames. <laughs> Mary's dress ways. Mary's dress ways. I like at this point he's just describing a, like a film script. I think this it really shows you know and you know he does it throughout his career. He is great at just telling a story in a quintessential storyteller. I I think he's great is... at telling a story despite himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I love the story of this. I love, as I said, you know, I think lyrically it's just really clever. It's this, we're in this crappy little town. You know, we, we know what we've got here. Let's leave it behind us. And I like. I also like that of, I think there's 25 Mary stars in the Springsteen oeuvre. He likes to use Mary, yes. <laughs> This is uh, one of our introductions to Mary, and she ain't a beauty, but she's all right. And I, I just, I just think it's, it's a great little story. Yes, of, of... course. What woman could fail to be charmed? <laughs> hey, but hey. does that not? I've got to be that... honest with you. I could do better, but you'll be fine. <laughs> but that's the quintessential small. T- Small town sort of hopelessness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you don't tell the girl. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I've you been say, doing wrong? All of the rest of them are all right, but you, you're a beauty. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think and it's you great. You try to sound it's... a little bit like Carl Reiner again. 
It's one of my favorite opening tracks to an album. I I like the plinky plonkiness of the beginning. I think mm. it's just this kind of joyous waking because I think I'm sure I read somewhere that the album is meant to be a day and this is meant to be the sunrise of the day and I mean it does scan yeah and I think I read yeah, somewhere no. else that there was supposed to be like a, 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 a different version of Thunder Road was toyed with closing the album to sort of bookend really? it okay I now think that the beginning the the harmonica and everything now sounds sort of rueful and then when the it clearly like everything starts speeds up and builds and yeah it, it actually it works brilliantly hmm. it, it's it's really great yeah. it's almost like he spent some time working on <laughs> i have never claimed otherwise we kind of did earlier i know it literally oh, did. He, <laughs> oh he spends way too long on the songs god damn him yeah. in spite of himself he does why can't he just toss this off first draft Damn him. Because, look, if I hold him no, listen, to impossible you. artistic standards, that's my business. <laughs> In spite of yourself, Adam. <laughs> I, I, I like the, the Roy Orbison shout-out. It's always nice to hear a bit of Roy. Mm. Big always nice to give hear a nod to Roy, isn't it? Yeah, my parish is listening to Roy Orbison on the old uh, wireless there. And then Mary be uh, dancing and the... And the... This was never released as a single. I was surprised no. by that factoid. No, but apparently the singles it, it, off it this didn't need was to. it. What were the singles? Born to Run and bizarrely, um, what's it called? The next one, uh, Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. You know what I really yeah. like about Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, other than the noise it makes, mm. is the fact that he had the title first and didn't really know what it meant. And mm. I, I, I always like that. I love the way he described it as it doesn't mean anything, but it's important. Is it? <laughs> sure, Bruce. Great. That's good. <laughs> that's good stuff. Hey, I've trusted another say Let's go with that. It's um is it Stevie Van Zandt that um apparently wandered in and just went, yeah, let me fix that horse. Hey, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. hey there. Hey, you, you there on the trumpets. Step right up. <laughs> He'll always, be self, fix it. he'll always be still from the Sopranos to me. Yeah, he doesn't sound anything <laughs> like that, but he did. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't sound like a sort of bad impression of Charles Bronson, but he does now he because did. he's not real, but that's more important. <laughs> yeah, so just briefly going back to Thunder Road. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's about, you know, taking Murr and um, driving out of town because they're, they're too good for this place and all that. Murr, murr. Murr. Um, <laughs> I don't get <laughs> um, I Look, I like hearing normal words said in a funny way. <laughs> yeah, is, is, is there one too many songs on this album about taking a lady and running off out of town? I mean, is it, is it literally that's the theme of the album? It's called Born to Run. Yeah, every every is song the is actually... the theme of that, the album, yeah. Right, so it's not just, you know, the concept of a general town. It's literally every song the theme is Get a lady get, in your car get, get out of town. Get in the car. She doesn't have to be that good looking, but just get a lady. No, she's just any lady will do. <laughs> get your lady and, uh, and just drive and across the lines. See village. what I found myself wondering Parents now is cover our escape. <laughs> <laughs> is Mary always the same Mary? Because like if Mary. You're... Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a lasso around the moon. Um 
but like if you look at the river mm. he gets mary pregnant when we were just 17 damn him. is it the same mary throughout is it the same mary that we're meeting at mary's place in the rising well, like... given that given the litany of women's names involved in this i would hazard a guess no it's just yeah. another poor mary i i've you know, I've tried to read up on Mary and there's there's never really any sort of definitive, is she one person? Is Mary the every woman? Like, oh, hey, Bruce. I'm going to call you Mary. But I find it interesting <laughs> that even since marrying Patty Schialfa, Mary it's Schialfa. still Mary that is, you know, I don't know. I, I just find the whole Mary concept quite interesting. Because it's obviously a name that's important, but is it easier to scan and rhyme with things? And it's got vaguely biblical overtones. And, and that does come in in uh, is it, uh, Devils and Dust. There's... Bangs on about Catholicism yeah. a bit, doesn't he? He does occasionally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the song originally started out as Chrissy's song. So originally it was involved with a lady called Chrissy. Okay. Before he added lyrics from another song called uh, Walking in the Street. Because he'd been kissing that woman and just went, no, 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 no. <laughs> this isn't working. Go. Chrissy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so originally it was called something Wings for Wheels, which I think is Ooh. mentioned as a line in the song. Or, it, you know, to uh, trade in these wings, these on, wings some on, wheels. on some wheels. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a horrible fun. name for a song. Wings fun. for Wheels is an awful bit of business. <laughs> Thunder Road is a much better name, which I believe was a, was a Robert like, Mitchum it, it film. It sounds like it could be a Chicago song. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how Chicago sound now. All I can think is Robert Mitchum saying it. Thunder Road. <laughs> Chicky Pie. Mm. Yeah, over the years it's been covered by Cowboy Junkies, Melissa Everidge, Badly Drawn Boy, Frank Turner, Tori Amos, Kevin Rowland, Bonnie Prince Billy. I kind of it... want to look up the Tori Amos version, actually. I had a feeling. Wasn't it work? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm nothing if not predictable, except with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah, you could definitely hear the wall of sound mm. vibe coming into play very quickly on this, mm. in spite of the tingly piano and glockenspiel. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's a town full of losers. Good. I'm glad they get out. Good for them. So, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, the song which... The good title. I think it's supposed to basically be about oh, the on. formation of the E Street Band. On there. Yeah, that is what it's about, isn't it? Other than lyrically, what did you think of Thunder Road? Um, what was your opinion on it? I I love it, but I know you, my Michael. What is your opinion? I'm not a big fan of Thunder Road. Sorry. <laughs> what did you say, Elmo? <laughs> Should have not a big. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan of Thunder Road. Um, yeah, I know. Well, it's no wonder a bit, you gloss over it. <laughs> I know. I know it's a big one. I know it's an important one for many people. But it seems to be cold. Cold as ice. Uh, yeah, that's because you never felt the urge to get out. That's no. I'm life. quite comfortable in my because home. you never no. heard. You never felt the screen door slam behind you as you got your girl. You never saw Mary's dress waving in the wind. No, the door hit my bottom, then her dress flew off, and now I've been locked out of my damn car. <laughs> and then the town full of losers all laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show them all. And I had a guitar in it for years, and I never made it talk. 
Even though I gave it a mouth and some fun eyes. They all laughed at my recorder. <laughs> yeah. So you don't like Thunder Road because of the crippling shame that you felt? <laughs> crippling shame in the streets of Woking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do. I know Thunder Road is a biggie. And it's an important one and people love it. But yes, it just, there is... I, I, it's one of those ones where I think if it was more strip back, baby, strip it back. Get basic, long story short, give it a Nebraska treatment, I'm on board. It is, when he's done it, chilled, mm. live, it is gorgeous. I, mean, um, it, I actually, it, sorry to go back to, I, when I saw him on the Magic Tour, someone, I can't remember who had died the, a couple of weeks before. Uh, no, so, but... What, one Princess of the, Di, I believe. No, it, <laughs> oh, my friends are dying these days. It was oh. someone he'd worked with. Every other week, a funeral. Oh. Going to more weddings and more funerals and weddings these days. I just wear the um, same old suit. <laughs> it, it might have been Danny Federici. I, I can't remember. But Did I tell you I met Barack Obama? Lovely man. <laughs> they did it really chilled back. And like... The whole this was in uh, Cardiff Millennium Stadium, like the thousands of people. Oh, it's and home you, from could, home. you could hear a pin drop. It, it was absolutely uh, that, that I'd like to see stroke here. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a running theme for me. I just, damn it, there's a Glockenspiel on this album, <laughs> and it's right up front, played Which, by the original the, title until Clarence advised him against it. Damn it, this Glockenspiel on this album. Born to Glock. <laughs> it's played, full of Glockenspiels. It's played by dear Roy Batan, who played piano on dear David Station to Station. Uh, and crucially, not a jot of Glockenspiel on there. <laughs> no well, maybe there should have been. So 10th Avenue Freeze Out, good title song about the forming of the band and basically welcoming a, a sax man into yeah, the Yeah, I really, fold. really liked 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Yeah. It was when it when it first kicked in, I thought, why doesn't all Bruce Springsteen sound like this? It's better. To be fair, a lot of E Street stuff does sound yeah. like this. I now realise I think I was basing an awful lot of my um, opinions on uh, old memories of my dad playing the best of in the car. Right. And he hadn't wanted the best of. My mum had bought him for it as a present, which he felt obliged to play. So right. what I've got really is a chiefly a memory of my dad playing it through gritted teeth in a company car. Right. And it, none of it really sounded like this. Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of the E Street stuff does sound like that. That best of, um, which I did used to have on CD at one point, it is, it's the big hit, it's the poppy bombastic hitters. Mm. And yes, that is Springsteen, but it's not Springsteen and the E Street band for a lot of it. No, um, this, this has got real sort of groove to it. Yeah. That reminds me a bit of the band. Mm. Oh, it's interesting. I thought it was. I mean, the the thing that's mentioned in the um, you know the Wikipedia article and so on is that it sounded like stacks, and to be honest, that's what I hear as well. Oh yeah. I also get some Boss Gags vibes. I think you say that about everything. I do. I think you just think about Bob's Boss Gags quite a lot. Mm, possibly. Have okay. I mentioned Simply Red yet? No, but uh, Tom Waits will be here in a minute. Oh, he will be. Uh, I'll get second. the gong ready. <laughs> Guarantee. So, the prot protagonist of 10th Avenue Freeze Out is called Bad Scooter. 
Oh, God. Just Gus. So Scooter was Clarence Clemens. I did not know that. um, Name for him. So Scooter was Springsteen and the big man was Clarence. So, yeah. Yeah, because when the change was made uptown, the big man joined the band. Yeah. Then, yeah, you get Clarence wailing on his sax. I do like Clarence's uh, bridge he gets on this song, though, the whole, and I'm all alone bit. I like that bit. Just howling like into nothing. I, I like the piano on this one. I, I, like, thought, I, I thought the guy that was singing in the background sounded almost like Van Morrison. There is also a vibe of Van Morrison being produced by Robbie Robertson on this. Yeah. Didn't Van Morrison remark. accuse Bruce Springsteen of just ripping him off? He's accused a lot of people. I, mean, I, mean, yeah, I was going to say, Van He's... Morrison has accused a lot Van of people. Van Morrison is the worst human being. We know this. Truly is. It's got, it's got 70s easy jazz vibe for me, this. It's... Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels a slight throwaway because of its being like, hey, let's, let's write a song about the band getting together. Okay, whatever. I mean, when he says he wants to create a more universal sound... Um, yeah, I mean he's probably failed there, but uh, it's very good though. It's got it's it's, it's, a, a it's sort fun. of fun. It's got it's... a lot of groove to it. Yeah. Would you would you accept that this is a song where the sax is used judiciously? Well? I'd say yes. It is <laughs> yeah. used sparingly. It is used uh, appropriately. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly the word, Mike. I was going to say what this song has got in spades is an appropriate amount of saxophone. Yes. <laughs> And maybe that's because Clarence does some singing on it, so he couldn't fill his lungs yeah, in time. Because, crucially, his lips were busy. <laughs> which is why often in recording, they'd be offering him lollies, gingerbread men, anything at all. He was a big fan of the gingerbread men, Clarence Clements. I remember we had a pack of Calippos, and we took it in turn just to wave them to Clarence. <laughs> anything else, or should we move on to night? Yeah, I think, I think we're done on that one. Night is... Done. Night is really good. Night is one of the ones where I think it's one of the only ones where I think you can hear just glimmers of what was happening in contemporary music, say, on this side of the pond. There's a sort of, there's a couple of the songs on here which I think have got an insistent sort of glam stomp to them. Mm. And I think Night is one of those. I think Night's really good. It was the, one of the first songs on here where I went, yeah, actually, this is this is great. It's not a fun bit of throwaway like 10th Avenue Freeze Out. It's not fucking harmonica like Thunder Road, which I later retracted, but that was my opinion at the time. Night is the one where I went, eh, maybe. I think it's brilliantly frantic. That's what I really like about it. I love how sort of it, it just barrels through it. And at points you sort of go, what, what the hell is he saying? And, uh, you know, I, 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 I like Night. It's good. Yeah, I think the only thing I didn't like about it was that the boss man's giving you hell. Yes, that's, that's it's just the yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> get up every morning if you sound in a bell. You get, get to work late. The boss man's giving you hell. hell. Yes, that's one of the worst rhymes I've ever heard. And it's the most lazy blues opening riff ever. Yeah. You may as well say woke up this morning and she's left me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after that... <laughs> it's very bombastic, It, it yes. gathers some momentum, yeah. Yeah, I think the song's basically about a, a blue-collar worker finishing his shift, mm. then going mm. out and having a drug, being a weekend warrior. 
What a what a what a, what a lyrical departure for I mean, Bruce is Springsteen. It, is there a lady involved in this one? Yeah, mirror. Suzanne Barbara. What what name could she have? <laughs> Jessica. No, that's my granddaughter. Um, I don't think there is a lady in this one, actually. Oh no, but no, sorry. You know she will be waiting there, and you'll find her somewhere. You swear. So it's about going out and, and looking for a woman, ah, but there isn't I'm, a specific woman. I'm looking for a lady in the looking night. for a Mary. Just peering through screen doors. Mary, 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 Mary. You get up and you get up in your room, Mary. That Springsteen boy's out there again. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it's frantic and it's, I, I think it kind of reflects the sort of, de- again, it's a desperation song, isn't it? No, it and is. wanting to sort of. It's another desperate clown who has a shitty job and he yeah, just wants to drive away. The two sort of, two quintessentially Bruce Springsteen lyrics, but the worst and best examples of that. The, the boss man's giving you pill. It's, it's absolutely awful. But you're just a prisoner of your dreams. Is brilliant so it's it, it manages it marries shit springsteen and sl- the springsteen of great beauty mm-hmm. as you jockey away from the cars and as instead of the light as it changes to green yet not once evocative powerful prose about sitting in a car at traffic lights i mean it's quite similar thematically to the rest of his album. Well, no, I was, I was going to sort of go to with every other um, song he's written. Hmm. Dancing in the Dark, specifically. Um, but, yeah. Dancing in the Dark. Which, I'd actually, I will openly say, as a song, I hate. I love the lyrics. I hate the song. I quite like Dancing in the Dark. Yeah, I've made the note on night that this is where it's getting very bat out of hell sounding for me. No, that's not a bad thing. No. Look, we are doing bat out of hell at some point. I was going to say, <laughs> can we do bat? Can, can I be here for bat out of hell? I'd, I'd love oh, to. Do sure, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, why sure. not? I'll bring something I know we'll all enjoy for a change. Well, I think we'll all enjoy bits of it. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. the title track. And, um, and there's we, others. There's other uh, things yeah. there. <laughs> Should we move on to Backstreets? I think this is fucking heartbreaking. I love this song. I really like Backstreets. Backstreets. Mm. It's just so. Again, it, it's it's a doomed relationship. He knows it's not going to work. She knows it's not going to work. But in the moment in loneliness, in depression, we're going to go for it. And like I said, this is this is what I fucking love about Springsteen's love songs, in inverted commas. They're painful and they're hopeless. And this yeah. just epitomizes it for me. I, love it. I think it's brilliant. What I will say, like mentioned there, is what I do appreciate about Springsteen love songs is they're more often than not doomed love songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not just... I'm in love with this lady, let's sing about love, la 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 It's more like, I'm in love with this lady, but I'm such a poor bastard. And I think I got hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, what teenager isn't going to listen to that and go, yeah, I too have hepatitis. <laughs> <sighs> 
Rolling Stone remarked of the opening piano and organ part, begins with music so stately, so heartbreaking, that it might be the prelude to a rock and roll version of the Iliad. Oh, come on. Come on. I, I wouldn't go that far. They did. Over-egging the pudding. Mm. No, no, Adam. For you see, it's the finest thing since Gershwin put pen to paper. I do think... Um... Imagine Homer putting his pen down and going, no, I still don't think I've got the Iliad right. Still, in a couple of thousand years, a boy from New Jersey will come up with something so stately, so grand. <laughs> now, one day, I hope that's what people call my work, stately. My grand. humble Greek prose. I'm also, I think... By Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Mike, you're slightly more familiar, well, I, I say slightly more, a lot more familiar than Adam with, with the rest of the oeuvre. I, I do feel that this song almost would have been more at home at Darkness on the Edge of Town. I think oh, yeah, it's definitely. got that much, much more bleak, you know, there is bleakness yeah. in the rest yeah. of the record at certain points, but, you know, Darkness on the Edge of Town is especially coming straight after this. And of course, that's what Aeschylus wanted his work to sound like, isn't it? Darkness <laughs> on the Edge of Town. You know, it, I, I think this is more at home there. It's, it's kind of a taster for kind of where he's going next with it, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig that. And I think because reading about this as well, I think he said he was going for the Four Corners approach to the album. So mm. Thunder Road and Born to Run, which opened side two, are more of a come straight out the gates, wake up songs. Where, and yeah. then you've got Backstreet's and Jungle Land, which are the more introspective, yeah. kind of uh, you know, the longer epic narrative songs. I'd never really thought of it like that. Well, obviously, I thought of the two as the wake-up songs, but I'd never really thought of the the, the, the two enders in that yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I so see how that. Born to Run fit in with that. It's the wake-up song that starts side two. Oh, does it really? It does yes. Oh, I see. You got of, of the eight songs, there's four on each side. It's very short, isn't it? Hmm. Gets, he packs a lot in there. Yes, but that's why we did yeah, this no, instead of instead of Born in the USA, because it meant you had, what was it, five Feinstein songs to listen to, Adam. <laughs> hey, there Amazing. are worse reasons to do a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, wait, guarantee, sure, yeah. I guarantee I would have listened to it less. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would have... Uh, because of your familiarity with that best of... I don't think you would have enjoyed. I mean, I I no, I, don't I prefer Born in the USA as an album. I think there's a, a lot of the songs that aren't on best of compilations that are on that album are phenomenal. I mean, I'm going down is again one of my top tier Springsteen songs. I think it's fantastic. Um, but Born in the USA does have that sort of much more poppy bombast to it. I do, I do love the, the uh, piano in it, and I, I like the overall sound. Yeah, mm. it's, like the, the, it's very cinematic sounding, Backstreet's. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Which I can wholeheartedly endorse. As uh, I said, I, th I think it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a signifier of where, where, where they're going next. And I love yeah. it for that. I really like, well, 
his delivery for the most part it's got this weird sort of grinding quality to it like it actually seems to his voice the way he delivers the lyrics seems to swirl around as though he's actually kind of grinding his whole body as he delivers a line it's quite weird sort of delivery hmm And then with the line, with a love so hard and filled with defeat, which I think is quite a lovely line, uh, I could almost see a bit of Mark Knopfler delivering that. Is that a compliment? Yeah. Hmm? I I feel there'd be a lot more steel guitars and... Hmm. I mean, yeah. How do you feel about Mark Knopfler? I love Dice. Ah, what an absolute gush that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, so uh, so far for me, Backstreets is the high watermark of the album for me. Oh. Ticks a lot of mind boxes. Hmm. Sprawling, cinematic, dark, dreary. Cinematic is, is the word, isn't it? Like this song in particular, but all of them sound like he was scoring a film that only he could see. Mm. Mm. It's like he's writing he's writing videos rather than songs. Which is why you get frustrated in studios like, Come on, I'm trying to make cinema pieces here. And it, yeah. it just, you, oh, here you are sucking a calypso. That's, that's what, you know, this is what we were talking about, about him being a storyteller. Like, it, it's what he does best. He t- tells a story through a song. It's just that he always chooses to tell the same three stories. Mary and Johnny <laughs> in the corner over there. Heading down to the ravine, get out of town, boss is ragging your ass. <laughs> he works so late in his job, now he's gonna go across town to commit a crime. He's gotta go across town, but gotta get medication for the hepatitis with Mary in his car. <laughs> the hepatitis before the boss man gets there, he's gotta be up before the sun goes down. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> However, interestingly, Mary isn't inborn to run. It's Wendy. Oh, he's lusting about, is he? Uh, he goes by many names. Yes, this was his first worldwide release song. But it was mostly hit in the US. Right. Shocking. How did Rip. it do over here? Um, tepid. Okay. Well, when it says it, it mostly did well in the US, it's only got to number 23. Oh, really? So st- strong for him at the time, but yeah. not, not exactly world-beating. Oh. It's now in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Okay. Despite never rocking. Or rolling. Or indeed rolling. Yeah, some say it's a love letter to a girl named Wendy. Springsteen himself says it's more about getting out of Freehold US Route 9. So could I be about a girl or about getting out of somewhere? It's the mm. idea that an old man... Like, you know, they like to give you directions so you're getting out of the A51. Well, what you want to do is you want to... straight downtown. You make a left and you turn at the tree. You're going to want to avoid downtown. If you get to the badger, you've gone too far. Now, if you excuse me, I have a hepatitis to see. You're gonna be better off taking the back streets. Now, don't you go rushing off now, youngsters. 
I, I, I think Water Run's a brilliant song. I, I think it's well, a masterpiece. First I, of all, I was instantly took against it because, and I think that was familiarity. But sure. You cannot fucking deny the the the, the <clears throat> primacy of that enormous drum at the beginning, and just <laughs> it is, it's brilliant. And yeah. then the guitar, that that the chiming riff that peels up, and then you do you believe? Or does it does it sound to you like he spent twice as long on this than anything else? Like, the, yeah, he, he spent he a knew year it, on this song. He knew it was the one. Yeah, yeah. This is the one that the final mix had like strings over a dozen guitars, saxophone, mm. drums, glockenspiel. <laughs> Glockenspiel. At one point, Bass. I had a thousand guitars, and then a I realized a thousand guitars just sounds like one guitar, but messy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the first song he actually wrote for the album after coming up with the title after awakening from a dream. I mean, it's not the most dreamlike title ever. Uh, no, but this is a masterpiece. I mean, it's a great meshing it's, of title and tempo yeah. of a song because it literally sounds like you've just woken <laughs> up and start running. I just, I just think it, it's just phenomenal. It's, it sums up. It is that des- again. I keep saying desperation. It's the desperation to get out. It is the doomed love. It's, it's everything. And I actually, the Mike, you've read Battle Royale, haven't you? The book. Yep. Yeah, because the book ends with tramps like us. We were born to run. At least oh, yeah. the English translation does, and. Like, I just, it is, it's getting out of shit. It is, I, I just think it's, you know, Adam's just said it's a masterpiece. I, I think it's such a fantastic it is, song. I hated to admit it, but you can't, you cannot deny quality like this. I think the only, the thing, what I didn't necessarily dig immediately, what hmm. uh, it would still be my sticking point, was you've got this incredible drum and then the guitar peels a lick off and mm. throws it at you in a carefree manner and then he goes <laughs> oh that's a shame but by <laughs> the end of the song he sounds well desperation is the word isn't it mm. he's he's mm. screaming like his life depends on it <laughs> it's suicide machine sprung from cages out on highway nine you want to take Highway 9? You go forward down for 20 miles. <laughs> Fuel injected and stepping out over the line. Oh, baby, this town rips the bones from your back. Wendy, um, let me in. I want to be a friend. <laughs> okay, now, Clarence, I don't want it to go to your head, but I need you to play now. <laughs> oh, Clarence. Oh, hush Again, the sax in this is perfect. <laughs> like it's 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 exactly what is needed at that point. I just, it's such a well crafted song. Like the bridges, the refrains, everything about it is just perfection. I think it is just you, a fantastic song. If you were to say, as I I thought I was going to, if you were to say that this is shit, you're doing that performatively. There's no, uh, there's no way that you could listen to this and not think, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But there is an element at this point where it's just ubiquitous and it's kind of a bit... Uh, yeah, and I think it was a bit Rebel Rebel and that's one of the I reasons why I listened to it and went, Ugh. but then when you try and forget yourself and just let it 
when it when it just comes on naturally in the album as well, mm. and you suddenly hear that, it is... but especially I mean, obviously listening to the vinyl like and having this as the opening to to side two, yeah, that would be better. It it really hits you like it's imagine. I mean, I bet dropping the needle on this and then hearing, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It is. It's. It's just, it's just fucking great, and I, I don't really have any. any you can tell it's not really for built it. for CD, is it? Because no, it's, it's, no but this is, this is, this really is. The, one of the reasons I love this record so much is it is a record. It is, you know, and especially now that Michael said, and, and something I hadn't thought about about those ends of the two sides, it is such a well put together. We've got a start. We've got a start to the second half. Like, this is the days when people actually gave a shit about the track listing, about where things fell on the records, the lulls, the ups, the downs. And well, you've come to the right place. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, this is why I, you know, I, I really think it is such a well crafted piece. And yeah. Oh, it's magic. It's magic. I know, no, that, I, that's that's I'll, his seventeenth album. It's it's a it's a remarkable song, and I I wanted to hate it, but I you can't. It's no. brilliant thing. Michael, did you know the first recording was made by Alan Clark from The Hollies? Nope, pardon. But luckily, this was released before it. Little factoid there. Of Sorry. this song? Yeah, not the first oh. recording in known history. No, 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 yeah, yeah I, I got <laughs> Sorry. The, Holl the Hollies created... Sorry, like the Hollies did a version of this... In, a, in some pyramid, which is, bus stops again, he goes laughing. No, uh, Alan Clark did, recorded the first version, uh, but it wasn't released before this. Good. So why did Springsteen give it to Alan Clark? I'm actually writing this I, down to listen to this later. Because I think it had been around so long by the time the album came out, because I think he'd been performing it live for almost up to a year well, before. Well, the thing was as well, around this time, Springsteen, in a bit of a Stephen King-esque way, there was a lot coming Broke out of his brain. Film. No, there was a lot that he was coming out with, and he was giving songs away. Like One of the most famous ones, obviously, was uh, giving Because the Night which would have been on Darkness on the Edge of Town, to Patti Smith. Um, Didn't she do Night as well? Possibly. No. I thought she um, covered it. But, um, you know, they basically, the story goes, they were in, the Patti Smith group were in the, in the recording studio next door, and he said, oh, I've got this song, and I... Young lady... Haven't got any place to put it on the other. There's, there's no Mary on? on this song. Why are you in such a rush? So yeah, um, but I, I did not know that. So I'm going to have to go and look that up because that sounds intriguing. Yeah, I, it, it's a great evocation of teenage life, isn't it? This song. Mm. Well, no, it isn't. But it's a great evocation of what you think or hope that teenage life is going to be like. Well, yeah, if you have a narrator, it certainly in this wasn't town. our teenage life. No, I mean, no. There's, I mean, cinematic teenage life. Yeah, my yeah. teenage life involved a lot more boredom and wanking than Born to Run <laughs> seems to involve. And then we came along. 
And, watch and then you. there was more boredom and more wanking. <laughs> that, that was another three years. And then... <laughs> then I attended bar for a spell and became a teacher. Nobody, nobody here is also saying, uh, is there any chance I can have a lift? Which is the refrain <laughs> of most teenage experiences, certainly in this country. I was going to say, it, it, the, the cars as part of teenagerhood is a very it's alien American country, thing, yeah. isn't it? It's also very 50s America. Sure. So this is essentially it's happy days. Mm. Yeah, Born to Run's one of them ones. I can't argue with anything about it. It is spectacular, but it, I have heard it way too much in my life. and I don't care about it that much. So. No, but... It... That's just a personal thing. It's one of those things I completely understand. Again, that's my cross to bear. But it is a fantastic song. I'm sure there are Bowie songs that I feel that same way about that oh, you there are would Bowie disagree songs with. I feel like that way about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Genie, Rebel, Gene Rebel, Rebel, Rebel. Mm. Um, she's the one. Better believe she is. So this is a cover of Robbie Williams, yes? Yes, it is. Good. Glad that's understood. I was going to do Millennium, but I couldn't get the rights. Sometimes we still perform, Rock <laughs> DJ. Me with the floor show, kicking in your torso. Boys. Could never get my head around Rude Box. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not the hugest fan of She's the One. I think it, it's, it's a well-crafted song. It's, it, it's, it's fine. The, the guitar, when it first kicked in, was almost folky for like hmm. the first five seconds. So we're like, all right, Joni Mitchell's turned up. Hmm. And then you get the, the Roy Batan dreamlike piano. And then his voice got his full-blown mumble on this one. The first few yeah. lines, I could not make out a word he's saying. No, that's why I've just read them. And they're, they're, they're concerning. With her killer graces <laughs> and her secret places that no more can fill. The hands of the hips. Oh, that smell on her lips. Some huge cavernous places. What is but, her soft French cream? Uh, L'Oreal. Yeah, it's probably ah, L'Oreal. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Soft French she's cream someone. that he mentions twice. And French kisses would not break for her stone. She's the one. So this is like his version of Prince's Darling, Darling Nikki. I was going to do Angels, but oh man, I can't scale those hats. <laughs> the thing about uh, the boss is he's no Robbie Williams. But I'm quite interested with Springsteen's swing album. Um, Spring when you're winning. <laughs> well, no, because he was going to call it Spring when you're steening, but somebody told him that that was awful. <laughs> No, because you see, it's a play on words. I'm, I'm doing a cover of Robbie's album of covers, and I'm Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I'm a titular Bruce Springsteen. You went a little bit, and I am Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I'm Bruce Springsteen. I say, if I want to do a cover of a cover of Mr. Bojangles, I will do that cover. I mean, he does have the dignity of a Southern lawyer. <laughs> now... I may just be the boss from New Jersey. <laughs> it was actually one of the first written for the album. And several, I... several versions were recorded during recording process uh, and eventually they put it on the album, but at one point it wasn't going to be on because he couldn't get it right. 
but an intensely attractive but cold as ass woman. Cold as ass. So his, his version of Darling Nikki. Or as cold as ice, by far cold, enough. Or MOP. Hmm. Anyone else got anything? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a song on the album. I, As I said, I, I don't... I, I think it's fine. It's it's a skippable one for me. I, I do quite like it. It's quite a pleasant one, even though it's about a heartless woman, a callous mm. woman. Are they all? Yeah, something I read for She's the One was something, something to do with a Bo Diddley riff. Didn't really understand it myself. Something, something, Bo Diddley. Something, something, Bo Diddley. Apparently it sounds like a Bo Diddley song. Doesn't. I don't have time or inclination to go check this out for myself. So I'll take... The internet's word at it. But Bo Diddley, everyone. Bo Diddley. Ladies and gentlemen, Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. Look, we're not going to do better than comparing it to Robbie Williams. I suggest we just cut our losses and move on. <laughs> right, prepare the Tom Waits spell. Ready? Because I think meeting across the river sounds like a Tom Waits crime drama. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like it could be off Blue Valentine or Foreign Affairs. Two albums which I am fully aware came after this. Hmm. Yeah, I, when I when I actually listened to this and gave it the when you know, you always listen to songs a few times and just go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then you hmm. finally listen to the lyrics, you go, Oh, that's actually what it's about, that's what he's saying. And it's but yeah, he he lived crust go meeting with someone because I got a got a package in his pocket and I'm gonna get two grand and Mary or some Hoyden. Back in the house, she she wants money. She wants money, Eddie. And it's just a yeah. song about a desperate loser who's basically like a, a Gill from The Simpsons. Yes, but I will say that the soul song becomes funnier if you imagine that Eddie is the trumpet slash saxophone that keeps replying to him. Eddie. I just feel that this is. I think this is a pleasant song. I I feel. That yeah, pleasant song about a boy and his trumpet. Musically and thematically, he does all of this better on Nebraska. I really like this one. But you I, love I, Nebraska. I so... do, and I also really like the river, and it reminds me of songs like Stolen mm. Car. That's on yeah. the table here, lads. Uh, I thought this and Jungleland were basically the same song. Um, oh, really? What? Oftentimes, yeah. when you, perf you perform them live <coughs> into each other. I thought it was just basically that was a very long intro uh, building into the song Jungle Land. So when I said... Is I that why you feel that uh, Jungle Land is 20 Jungle minutes? incredibly long. <laughs> because it's only now... I was just looking at the, the track list and went, meeting across the river, what the fuck is that? It's, it's, it's for me, like it's, it's, it's fine. It's, again, this is the genuine... The one I would definitely skip. Like I, I just I, I think it's lovely. It's fine. I really like this one because the desperation really comes out because this guy's okay. really pathetic, and this <laughs> like all the other ones are just you know a blue collar worker or a teenage mm. guy go hey Mary let's go take the T bird and do a jig and all that. This one, this guy who's really just like. Hey, hey, old Pally, old Murray, can you help a, help a brother out? And because uh, basically my girlfriend's going to leave me and uh, I'm probably going to get killed. And uh, could you help me out here? And then the way it ends, in just the last line is saying, So you could give me a lift. Mm. It's, the horns just go out. It's just kind of like, Yeah, this guy's fucked. This guy has no life. This guy's just desperate. 
this one for me just has a real. Well, no, I honestly, genuinely thought that was a very long intro, and then it just sort of segues into that they're in the the titular jungle land, which is the other side of the river. That's what I thought it was, genuinely. But is that part <coughs> of the storytelling of the album? <coughs> oh, possibly. Mm. But possibly not. Or, or equally not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean about it just being compared to the wall of sound with everything. Maybe that's why I gravitate towards it because for me sure. it was a bit of a breather from that mm. bombastic sound. And I was like, oh, there's a bit of a stark trumpet here and a, quite a clear, just yeah, Eddie. I can, I can hear what you say. You talking to Eddie? To all the this. trumpet. Yeah, yeah. It could be a love song to a man called Eddie. Don't know. Eddie's mm. a trumpet, so that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, I did forget to talk about, I think it's on um, Backstreets, where for the longest time people have... Um, Whoa! Yeah. Um, for the longest time. Oh, God. <laughs> These old bulls. <laughs> Uh, oh, for the longest time, people hypothesised that Backstreets could actually be a gay love song because <sighs> he refers to a Terry, which people think is because it's an, you know, it could be either way name. Hmm. And you know, Springsteen ha hasn't actually you know said no to that. He just says it's about a relationship breaking apart. Could be man, could be woman. Because he's a good guy. He's a hmm. good. He's a good kid. This he's a good kid. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting one to come back on to. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it's just a sad bastard, this song, and I feel bad for him, so I quite like him. Just, yeah, I, wish him I, I mean, wish him well. It's it's good. I just... I hope he gets his two grand. I, I feel Atlantic City hits the same thematic notes a lot better. I mean, it's basically the same guy. He's going to do yeah. a real job for him. Yeah. Um... But it's fine. It's 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 nice enough. It's it's not a dreadful song. I just think it's in the great oeuvre of Springsteen. It's mm. a forgettable one. I'm going to blow your socks off now. I would take this over Thunder Road. That's 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 your opinion, Michael. Mm -hmm. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Why take Thunder? I've already got Born to Run. They're the same song. They're not. Really not. <laughs> yeah. They're really Thund not. Thunder Road is much more rueful than, mm. than the, the bombast of bombast Born to Run. You get the Giuseppe bombast at the end of Thunder Road. Giuseppe Thunder Bombast Road is, is a very, very obscure reference to our sister podcast, Breaking Glass. Thunder Road there is more obscure. on that. Look up on the uh, iTunes. Thunder store. Road is just half of Born to Run. You get more of Born to Run in Born to Run. Uh, but you get run. more of this in all of Nebraska. Yeah, but so if you want Nebraska, this, I'm talking about Born to Run. To... <laughs> so, Jungle Land... <laughs> Jungle Land took 19 months from first rehearsal to final completion of the album. Wow. So, and they threw everything at it. Guitars, bass, drums, piano, sax, violins, and plenty of strings. But crucially, no glockenspiel. Uh, I was about to say, and what of the glock? Not, not the handgun, no, it's an abbreviation. I was going to say that's a Wu-Tang song, good <laughs> thing we bought the Glock. See, interestingly, one of my, and 
now every time I hear, I really like this song, I really do. But every time I hear this, so Sean and I went to see, I, I took Sean, who didn't really know Spring For listeners, who is Sean? Sean uh, was a fellow we went to university with. Um, and when I moved to Cardiff, Sean came along with me. And uh, we lived in Cardiff together for a year. Like your Man Friday? Pretty much, yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah, he's your um, biographer and amanuensis, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but he follows Sean... you around just scribbling down your, how do you say it, your bon mots? Your bon mot. My bon mot. Um, but yeah, so Jungle Land came on. He played Jungle Land and I was loving it. And it got to the um, the bit in the, the instrumental refrain. Hmm. And he turned to me when it does the bam, bam, bam. And he went, that's Bubba O'Reilly by The Who. And I can't not hear it now. Mm. It's not as good as Bubba O'Reilly, is it? I had mm, the clocks for no. But now when you listen to it, it will be the only thing you can hear. And yeah, I, I but actually... I now think when I listen to it, I'll be thinking, probably turn that off. <laughs> Fair point. Pop on um, Bubba O'Reilly. I, I like Jungle Land. I think it's it's theatrical. It's what we said at the beginning. It's what I love about Springsteen. It is theatrical. It's it is West Side Story. Yes. It's it's good fun. Uh, yes. So the theatricality, superlative on uh, Jungle Land. Superlative. I think the sax solo is fucking ace. I like the sax on this one. I'll give it that. I like the, the sax complemented by the strings. More judicious sax. Yes. Mm. So yes. why why do you dislike it as much as you do, Adam? Is it because uh, it's about a man called Magic Rat and Barefoot Girl? No, it's because I thought it was the second half of Meeting Over the River. Why does that make it bad, though? Mm. It was just a long, drawn-out thing I, I, look I, but you I, like long drawn out things yes i know but i, I look i completely see tarkus i completely <laughs> misunderstood and i also think tarkus is ludicrous are you just <laughs> embarrassed because you were uh, you thought it was two songs when you no you thought it was one song when you I thought, thought it was two song. And, thought... and you felt a bit red faced about it oh heavens where could my face yeah heaven for fun all right, so you're you're socially embarrassed by this these songs. Quite right, and I think it's actually a little bit ungentlemanly that you're insisting on dwelling on it. To be frank, <laughs> I will skirt over it like nothing it's, happened. It seems to me that the decent thing to do would be to go and just just say you talk, and I'll just go oh, quiet. Well, I agree. Quite <laughs> <Right>, Frank Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Quite. I feel like I'm sitting in my mother's drawing room and the the, the, the bigger boys are talking and I'll just go, oh, I liked it. It <laughs> was nice. <laughs> I thought the saxophone was appropriate, actually. <laughs> I think it's great. It's big, it's bombastic, it's a brilliant way to end the album and a brilliant way to end any live show. Um, I, it can I, disappear down Flamingo Lane. And it's West Side Story, but with guitars. <laughs> and... And they're drinking, better than that? They're drinking warm beer in the South Submarine. Yeah. Out in jungle land. Chasing the rat and the barefoot girl. <laughs> the kids around here just look like shadows. Always quiet, always holding hands. From the churches to the jails. Just know what he can see from the window of his retirement home. <laughs> <laughs> well, the midnight gang's assembled and Ooh. picked a rendezvous for the night. 
They'll meet Nifty J next time, sign. Yeah, it's it's about gangs and such magic, such. magic rat and barefoot girl on the run, being chased by lawmen, and then it very, it all builds to that massive sax solo, and then in the end, they're just the two of them alone, they're two heartbeats together, and yeah. then magic rat gets shot. But I thought the two of them alone were him and his friend Eddie, and they'd been over the river. <laughs> they'd done a job for somebody. I'm so embarrassed. Just <laughs> to say they're not. Where can I pop my face? <laughs> I'm cringing with the embarrassment of it all, Adam. At the end of the episode, I think you do, Becca. And we were so embarrassed for Adam. Honestly, <laughs> we were so embarrassed. Yeah, so it's a bit of a downer to finish the album on because it ends with your, your protagonist of the piece getting gunned down, an ambulance takes him away, which no one sees. And then mm. you're just left with Barefoot Girl sat alone in a bedroom somewhere, turning the light off. But then that all links in the old doomed love, doesn't it? Yeah, but they mm. wind up wounded, not even dead, tonight in Junglin. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a melody. Junglin. And then I look quite like the way he just howls at the end of it. Again, it's a bit of a depressing way to finish off this quite bombastic album. But fitting. It is. Because mm. it, it ends on a, the note of despair. Yeah. Which is what the whole album's about. Bombastic mm. despair. So yeah. is it suggesting in this that because they didn't get out of that place, which is the other message of the album, it ends in the despair, it ends in the destruction. Yeah, because those who have escaped in Thunder Road, in Born to Run, there is hope at the end of those songs. But yeah. the fact that the protagonists of of Jungle Land have not escaped, so that's what it ends up with. In a weird way, this album actually gets more depressing as it goes along, because it starts with sort of, born, well, Born to Run, they seem to make it out, if I'm wrong. Mm. Then She's the One is just is kind of a song about this cruel-hearted woman Mm. Then meeting uh, meeting across the rivers about this um, desperate guy looking for someone to help him. Then Jungle Land ends up with a guy getting gunned down. So yeah. you go from Thunder Road where it's kind of like the sun's up and there's a promise of escaping the town and heading across the borderlines. And then at the end, it's just like, no, they didn't make it out. And that mm. last line about they wind up wounded, not even dead, just means everyone just walks around half dead, but they got to just live in this purgatory where they can't even escape it they just gotta keep on with their shitty lives and it's just always gonna be the same and they're never getting out mm. it's actually a real it's a real downer <laughs> it's a real downer well yeah it is if you sell it like that yeah <laughs> and this is why you shouldn't go into marketing michael <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody would have bought that you call him the new dylan flies off the shelves you see the, you see the thing about these cornettos when you finish eating them, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone, and you're one gone step forever. closer to the grave, my friend. <laughs> one step closer to the grave, and all the heavier for it, my friend. When you finish that cornetto, nothing's changed. You're still <laughs> the cunt that you were before. <laughs> so Walls didn't take up that marketing campaign. Eat cornetto, you'll still be a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> the cunt you were before. <laughs> Oh, right.
<laughs> are, are we are we to keep this delightfully depressing album at the party? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yay. I never thought I'd say it, but yeah, no, I. I don't think you would. No. I'm so glad that I, I've I've changed your mind. It was on this. it was a very slow change. I, when mm. I first listened to it, when we we announced that we were going to do it straight after the record, I listened to a bit and I thought this is going to be fucking terrible. This is awful. <laughs> I hate it. I'm going to text them immediately to let them know my displeasure. Then, over the course of the period of time, it's just oh, it isn't shit. Is it? It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. He's an old man that's singing. Even though it's in the seventies, but God, it is very good. He was fifty even then. <laughs> even then, I was fifty. Even <laughs> oh, was he when? When was he born? Fifty-six. So he was only in his twenties, wasn't he? For this, let, let me Wikipedia of this. I want to say it was fifty-six. Um, did you do? Did you do? Forty-nine. So he would have been twenty-six. Oh, okay, no, twenty-five when he did it. Well, yeah. that explains why he has such a soft spot for uh, the Dave Clark Five and the Beatles. Because mm. he was absolutely the right age. Mm. But no, I'm I'm really, really glad that I've, I've turned you around a little bit. And I, I think there is a lot to discover. I mean, there's 20 albums. Okay, so is it... I, I mean, we've covered this, we've been going, but what songs would be the Sacrificial Lamb if we weren't to keep one? Probably that last one. You know, the one about Eddie in the jungle. <laughs> I'm going to say Meeting Across the River or possibly She's the One. She's the one. She is the one. Beautiful pop ballad. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with... Hmm. Um, hmm. I might go with 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Oh no! Really? Yeah. It's yeah. Nah. No, meeting across the river. No, it needs like to exist. Yeah, but I like I, it. I like Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. So mm. we, the, the, I didn't be- say to you. Oh, <laughs> it, it raised the song you liked from the record. <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Dispose of your song <laughs> in the enough. valley of fire. I was about to say you twat. We, we didn't say no to you, but no, we did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a fair. You literally did. Ten that, seconds ago. that was that was literally what we did to you. And so your ire is justified. So hats off. <laughs> and good. I want you to live with the embarrassment you suffered tonight. About oh, your... it's nothing compared to the embarrassment I felt ten minutes ago. Oh my. No, I, I I disagree in the strongest possible terms. Whilst respecting your right to be wrong. <laughs> I'm keeping the bit where you didn't say that in. <laughs> Nob. <laughs> uh, best song? Thunder Road for me. I know you're going to both disagree, but I no, just I'm not. I adore that song. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. Oh. And again, I hated it. I hated it. But it is the song that I've lived with the most when mm. I'm not listening to it. It's the one that surges back into my head uninvited. It, mm. it 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 has to be because I, I would say Born to Run but it's ubiquity puts me off a little bit so I would say Thunder Road and I'm aware that Thunder Road in the US is more ubiquitous here there than it is here it, it, apparently it was a mainstay of the radio in a way oh, really? that it, it, okay. it, it you had Jungle Land, Thunder Road and Born to Run were mm. rock well they're the three I mean, talking to um, Steph 
who I mentioned earlier, the guy that we used to listen a lot uh, to Springsteen, you know, we we were saying that those are the three big hitters for us. Like well, they're the ones think... that you spent the most money on, I think. Mm. Mm. But no, it, for me, it's definitely Thunder. In fact, I would probably go Thunder Road, Born to Run, Jungle Land, personally. Uh, well, certainly the first two, yeah. Mm. Michael? Me too, Cross the River. Okay. No, actually, I'll probably go Backstreet. Backstreet's probably best song. All oh, right. Well, that, that makes more sense. Then mm. Me Too, Cross the River. Extraordinary. Yeah. Well, there you well, go. Yeah. I ain't gonna apologize for it. No. no. Nobody's saying you should. They're just implying oh, you, that you, you should. You did earlier. <laughs> it was an embarrassing evening for you, Adam. Made so many faux pas. What an embar you must feel so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's there. a good thing Michael's the funny one. <laughs> it is, it is. I'm really gonna struggle to sleep tonight. What with all of the uh the shame. The chagrin. The chagrin. Right. Ooh, oh, does that mean it's time to spin the wheel? You know what, oh, Grace? You're you damn what. right. Hang on, Mike. Grace, our guest. Why don't we let Grace spin the wheel? Oh, yeah, go on. R really? <laughs> we will grant you a spoon. Oh, fantastic. Well, here, here we go spin. then. <laughs> Hurrah! Adam. Oh, by thunder. It's, it's Adam. And Adam. Oh, super. Can you manage to get this out without creating some kind of social, you know, palaver or... Don't embarrass yeah, yourself. Yeah, don't trip over your words or your feet. <laughs> Those giant feet. For the listener at home, I've got quite big feet. <laughs> Just to clarify, he has big feet. It's okay, because Michael has tiny feet, yeah. like an elf. No, no, actually, I have quite, yeah, I'm quite well endowed in the feet area. I have very small hands. He does. He's got little tiny paws. Little tiny paws. Little ferret hands. You want to watch Michael try and carry three pints at once. It's hysterically Ew. funny. Okay, Michael, I'm very, very pleased that it's my turn, because we are... Well, if you thought we were going to leave the 70s, you'd be bang wrong. Of course. Uh, uh, I have noticed there is a motion picture just come out uh -huh. about the the popular band Sparks, which reminded me that I've wanted to do Kimono My House, their 1974 breakthrough commercial album for some time. It's an album I really, really like. It's so an album, little Beethoven. It's an album you really like as well, frankly. I but do. It's. I was toying with the idea of doing one of the others, and I thought, nah, let's do, let's do, let's do, the, big let's one. do the big one. So yeah, Kimono My House, nineteen seventy four, Sparks. I look forward to having an excuse to re-listen to it. Yeah, That's me a good too. Choice. I'm so pleased to that I'll get to listen to it for a week or so. It's such a jam. Equator, equator, barbecue. <laughs> well. What a fabulous choice. And join us next time when we will probably both be gushing over Sparks Kimono in my house. And if you... Uh... I feel like you should always wrap up with a whiskey in your hand. <laughs> it gives you a much more sort of avuncular feel. Lugubrious, I'm, I'd say. I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. Mmm, <laughs> what a great choice. Join great... us next time. Oh, thanks, Adam. Great <laughs> choice, yeah. And if, and if you have a, a, 
an album you'd like us to discuss at the party, you can get in touch with us a, a variety of ways. You can email us at thelisteningpartypod. This is how Steve Wright does it. <laughs> no, he does. Yeah, but Steve but... Wright would have talked <laughs> over halfway through a song as well. That's because what Steve Wright has to say is better than any pop song. <laughs> hmm. No, I'm thinking of Simon Mayo. Yes. Steve, <laughs> Steve Wright. Twat, oh, man. <laughs> You can get in touch with us uh, on Instagram at the Listening Party Pod. We're on Twitter at Party Listen, and you can find us on Facebook by typing "The Listening Party" of Adam and Mike and looking for the grey old skull with the pink headphones. What's his name this week? Um, I'll begin with an M, Mike. Got to remind you of that. <laughs> Malvolio. Yeah, let's go with that shit. <laughs> great, thank you so much for bringing Vaughn to run to the party. Thank you great. for having me, as always. I will. Now retreat back to my beanbag chair and wait until I'm called upon again. Wait until you're needed. <laughs> the next time we need you to come change Adam's mind on an album again. If you should Stevens, need us. Bruce Springsteen. Well, Not I so much Beaver Doobie. You've, you've got a two out of three hit rate. You didn't disenjoy Beaver Doobie. Um, yeah, but I've been back and listened to Cat Stevens and will do that with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, whereas Beaver Doobie uh, has been stricken from the the library, I'm afraid. Fair. I will bring something horrendous next time. Fodginous racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That no, I was, asking, I was asking Gray to bring him a misogynist racist. Oh, oh great. Yeah, sure. I'm, just... I'm sure I can find one. Yeah. I'm sure you can. Weirdo. <laughs> so, yes. So join us next time, please, when me and Adam will be talking about Sparks Kimono in my house. Until then, bid you some kind of running off into the night lyric I can't be bothered to think about. But something Bruce Springsteen related, everyone. A T-bird. Pulling out of here to win. Hepatitis on the back streets. Yeah, I remember when I had Hepatitis with Mary. Yeah. Anyway, like and subscribe, three and above, all that. Cheerio. Bye.